as a successful anything, a mother, a brother, a father, a cake baker, a car detailer, I don't care what you are, you don't get to be a victim. Nobody who's successful in life plays the victim card, right? We get to be the victor. Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. Hey, welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. You got with you today, the Knucklehead Steven. I've got Joe Evangelisti. Did I say that right? Or do I owe you a push-up? You did. No, you did it good. You did it well. I it like good. it. I like it. Well, yeah. it's nice to have you on the show, my friend. How are you doing today? Fantastic, brother. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Absolutely. It's not all the time where I get an opportunity to introduce somebody as I'm meeting them for the first time. But a lot of times on these podcasts, I, I try to set the table, set the foundation for you know, what we're going to talk about, essentially diving right into screw-ups and mistakes that not just that I've made over the course of not just my you know, personal life, but also through business and how those lessons affect the way and the decisions and the strategy and essentially the, the structure behind how we make decisions going forward. Uh, so honestly, I'm excited to hear from our guest today because he's going to, he's going to share a few things with you. It's funny. We, we were actually had this set up once before and he was telling me a story before we started recording about where he was at whenever we were supposed to record previously, but that's my screw up for not sending him the link ahead of time. So anyway, but it, it, it is what it is. So that was a funny story, by the way, how did that turn out? Did you do the magic trick or how'd that work out? Oh yeah, no, we made it happen. My dad, uh, my whole life has been collecting antique paper money, right? The, you know, large, I don't know if you get familiar with large size currency, like pre-1923, uh, no. our currency was actually much larger. And no, so I, didn't know that. Um, I grew up around that. And so he, he's at these major coin shows my whole life. And, you know, my dad's one of my best friends. So, um, you know, this is probably not going to make for a fun podcast, but, you know, I, I like to travel when, when I can. Uh, to his coin shows and hang out with them. And, and I like the art of the, the art of the deal and negotiating and things like that. So as very little as I know about paper money and collecting, I, I know the values of things. So I like to go to the shows and just kind of kick it back and forth and negotiate deals and stuff like that. So when we were at the um, recording taping last week and we had our time set up and you didn't send me the link, which is totally, you know, it happens. These things happen all the time, right? So I was out in the lobby yep. with my laptop getting ready to record. And I'm like, damn, I don't have a link. So I wait 10 minutes, you know, typical. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll go back in the show. And then I get a text and, you're, and some, my, my assistant was like, hey, the link is live. If you want to get back on the show. And I'm like, I can't now. I'm like knee deep in a negotiation with this old man trying to get this paper money sold. <laughs> so like, I can't do it. So here we are. It's all good. But yeah, I love that. Those, yeah. are, those are stories that honestly, not everybody's got those, uh, those experiences. It's cool that you get to go travel with your dad uh, to go to those, yeah. uh, those things. Paper money shows? Paper money and coins. I don't know. If, I don't think I've actually ever heard that before. Yeah, yeah. Rare U.S. currency. You know, the cool thing about it is, to me uh, personally, is that they're not making any more of it. They're printing current U.S. currency as fast as they possibly can. But you know, the stuff from the, the 1800s and the early 1900s. I mean, it's 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 not it's not sounds like back a, again, sounds like know, an so EFT it's before rare. its time. You know what I mean? That's right. Or, or, That's right. or NFT. Absolutely. Excuse me. NFT. NFT before yeah, its NFT, time. There you yep. go. Um, there's probably mm-hmm. somebody listening to it saying, "Hey, listen, that's." I've got an ape, you know, an ape already. So anyway, half that stuff, it, it, it's beyond me. I don't, I don't understand how uh, all that works, but I, I have an idea. So Joe, let's, uh, let's jump into this real quick. So with what you're doing now, what actually bring everybody up to speed, what, what is it that you do now with, uh, you know, not just your radio show, but uh, uh, the things that you're doing within media, catch people up to speed. What are you up to now? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the thing that, um, that I like about the show that we're talking about here and, and your audience and, and the whole con- concept of what we're doing here is I've, I've 15 years in, I was six years in the military 
right? Okay. I, I did uh, six years as a Navy CB. I've been in construction my entire life. Uh, my dad was a builder. Growing up, he was a drywall contractor turned general contractor turned house builder. And so from the time that I was, you know, knee high to him and I was holding on to his leg, walking around construction sites, you know, I, I've been on construction sites my whole life. I love building, love construction. Started flipping houses right outside of the Navy as soon as I got done. I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. My dad was the first entrepreneur in our in our lineage. You know, his parents came up, uh, over the boat um, from Italy. With the last name like that, I wouldn't have guessed that. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's a Sicilian name. Yeah. So, um, so you know, he. I always wanted. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I looked up to him. I emulated him as an entrepreneur, going out on his own and saying, you know what, I don't want to do a nine to five. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to, you know start my own business. So I, I knew I wanted to start my own business and I immediately started flipping houses right after, not, not immediately, but almost immediately outside the Navy, I started flipping houses and I got in what I call a lucky time because it was 2007. And, you know, at that point it, it was safe enough where the market started to soften, but like it hadn't collapsed yet. And, uh, part of the problem, Stephen, is that I got into the third house before the market really started to collapse. And, you know, I had to start to do what we call course correcting or basically, you know, I had to pivot. And, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with what you're talking about. It's like these failures, right? Like, like we could fail, but you know, like crap, I got to make, do something different. Right. So I overnight had to become a landlord in a house that I thought I was going to flip and make a bunch of cash on. I had to figure out different ways to uh, do different things as far as survival. Right. I had to become a realtor start selling houses for commission. I had built a team. I had to start landlording, which I never wanted to do. All of those exact same things that you do when you're in the military, right? I mean, precise, like yeah. word for word. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm yeah. messing with you. Thank you for your service too, by the way. And I, I didn't mean to interrupt, yeah. your, interrupt your story, but the, the, the interesting thing that stands out to me about your story is your dad being the central uh, figure influencing a lot of your decision-making up until a certain period of time. Can I ask mm-hmm. you a question real quick about that? Yeah, of course. Okay, cool. So the, uh, the, uh, the question that I, that I have is at what point did you realize, listen, I'm, I'm going to do what he did, but I've got to build it with more infrastructure. I've got to actually put some parameters around some of these, uh, you know, some of the teams that you were starting to build or even some of the processes when mm-hmm. it, when it comes to selling your houses, at what point did you realize, yeah. like, what was that like? having an influence like an entrepreneur, like your dad, but then all of a sudden realizing that there were some things that you were going to have to reinforce and have some more stability if you wanted to achieve some of the goals that you had. Yeah. So that's an excellent question. And it's a kind of a complicated question, right? Because, um, I think you learn these like problems as they occur. And so for me, I always knew I wanted to be I think, I think, I, you know, any entrepreneur that steps out, they, they, they see a person or a threshold and they want to surpass it. Right. So like I always looked up to my dad and emulated him, but I always wanted to bigger than what he had created. Right. So like I knew I wanted to scale my business bigger than that. And so that took taking on a lot more risk, taking on a lot more employees, taking on a lot more and, and growing. And I think when it really started to occur to me, um, and you know, I talk about favorite failure stories, right? I think this yep. is one of the, one of my favorite failure stories because like today, I have an amazing culture, amazing teams. We can get into that. But one of the big transitional moments for me was probably 10, eight, 10 years ago. I didn't have the culture I, I wanted. I had, I had a ton of people working for us. I was trying to solve problems with money. I was just throwing money at problems and hiring people and tr- like hoping that they would solve the issues. And, you know, I've always been kind of a, a hot-headed Italian and it would just like, you know, spout off at the mouth. And, you know, me and you had shared that tech story at the, at the beginning. Like you, sometimes you just get upset. Um, and I've learned 
to really dial that down, probably 95% from 10 years ago. But at one point, um, when I had a lot of money in, money out, houses being flipped, we were probably doing 40, 50 houses a year, a lot of volume. I had this, I had the, um, the real estate business going. I remember going through one of our big sales meetings and we just had a terrible week on one of those weeks where we just couldn't afford to have a terrible week. Like I just sure. had a ton of bills due. I had a yep. ton of payroll on Friday mm-hmm. and money bleeding. Like it was just a terrible, terrible quarter and nobody was hitting their goals. And I got so frustrated. I walked out of my office and I screamed at the top of my lungs, I'm going to F and fire every single person in this office if we don't start getting our shit together. Right. And it felt good for like all of five seconds. And then I kind of like took a deep breath and I thought to myself, what the hell did you just do? And I walked back in my office, right? And my assistant, who was kind of like our COO at the time, because she was really running a lot of things, walked in my office and she was like, we need to go take a walk. And she like literally walked me outside and she was like, listen, she's like, I can take that because I know you and I know you're not telling the truth. And I know you're just like venting and letting off some steam. She's like, but you have to understand there are people here that are getting paid hourly that have no idea what you're talking about. And they legit are going to go home and cry in their pillow tonight thinking that the CEO is going to fire everybody this week. Like they're going to, they're going to be terrified. So thank God for that. Assist. Is she still with you too, by the way? Is that, I mean, do you have her still on staff? Uh, we, we've since parted ways, but she's an amazing person. And you yeah. know, she's just, she went on to do some different things, but no, that, she, she was incredible. Kudos to you, first of all, for learning that lesson. I, I, I hate to laugh oh. at, uh, at at such a, a critical moment, but th- quite frankly, that's a that's a tough. I mean, that's a tough one right there. And to have somebody that you uh, yeah. you know that you can trust. Well, first of all, that trusts you enough. Uh, kudos to you for mm-hmm. being able to develop that relationship. Because if you think about the years, the weeks, the pain, the struggle, the, the kind of that. I don't know. It's a, it's it's a it's like a, a, a it's getting punched in the stomach when you think about all those moments that led up to that point. And yeah, you're right. It, it feels good for about half a second. And then you realize, mm-hmm. geez, Louise, I mean, from the outside looking in, it's like one of my kids not yep. reacting the, cor- the correct way whenever, uh, you know, he loses his device or, you know what I'm saying? Or, or can't go outside yep. and play with his friends. That same temper tantrum is exactly what we do uh, as entrepreneurs. Yep. I've been there. Um, and, and even yep. quite frankly, just as leaders, you know, what it boils down to, I don't think I've said this, but Appreciate your service, by the way. That was cool. CBs. Yeah. Thank you. I want to switch gears on you here real quick, but were you, yep. were you ever in Iraq? I was in uh, U.S. Central Command, just south of Iraq during uh, 03 when we were invading. I was actually building uh, Tommy Frank's Central Command Station out. So Wow. Um, okay. That's a, that's yeah. a, so I was, but when I was uh, in TQ, we were with, uh, we were with, the, I think it was 7th CEB. I could be wrong. I'm, I'm fairly certain it was 7th. I probably am wrong. Long story short is there was, mm-hmm. we were with some CVs uh, out that way. Had never worked with a bunch of them because mm-hmm. I was a logistician. I wasn't necessarily, you know, working with uh, a bunch of engineers. But I'll tell you what, w- sure. when it comes to doing things right and having a checklist and going through the process of making sure that you're not setting things up incorrectly, CBs had it pretty well dialed in, or at least the, the folks that we were with did. So uh, very cool. It's one of my favorite things about that group, their, their, their motto is can do. Like there's just not shit that we don't do. You know, it's like the difficult takes, takes, a, takes a week. The impossible takes a little longer. That's, that's one just a little bit, like, right. Just a little bit. We just, we just, we just get it done. doesn't matter. I like it. I like it. Well, um, well I appreciate you, you jumping in and sharing some stories, uh, that are, 
you know, kind of favorite failure stories and those things that, uh, uh, that really can quite frankly, just kind of bring folks in. And, and I'm, I'm curious. So given that you're, you're still building, I'm assuming you're, you're still building a, a real estate business and, and, and the offshoots associated with those things, when it comes to your construction background or the background relative to construction, did that influence something that you're building currently too? Or are you, do you have a, like a construction offshoot to your real estate business that you're, that you're still dabbling in? Yes. And so, um, we do, we do primarily self-storage development now. And so, you know, that, that particular moment in time, there's so many learning curves and lessons that happened in that moment. I have completely redesigned our business Our completely redesigned our business model. It's literally what I train one, that moment and a couple other moments like that in that, in that one or two year time frame is really what helped me redefine how I build my businesses and I build my culture and I build my teams now. And it's also help how I help, you know, train other real estate investors, other, other business owners and doctors, attorneys, lawyers, insurance salespeople, how to design their teams and design their culture now, because my self-storage business, my self-storage development company that we have now is made up of absolute A player rock stars that I don't have to be involved in every single day, right? I have a one hour meeting with them each week. Um, they go out and do their thing. And, you know, they're doing a hundred times the, the, the amount of revenue and bottom line uh, profitability that the single family fix and flip business was doing 10 years ago. And with the culture that I, that I love, right? For a long time, I would journal, Stephen, and I would say to myself, how do I surround myself with a team of people I love doing business with? Over and over again, I asked myself that question. How do I surround myself? And I realized it was me, right? So many CEOs are constantly searching for the right people, but they're afraid to look in the mirror and fix themselves, right? People want to be led by a, a great visionary and a great leader. And I'm not saying I'm the greatest or that I'm better than anybody else, but I'm constantly working on getting better, right? And and what what I was lacking back then when I had a bad culture and I had teams that weren't performing, what I was lacking was myself. I wasn't standing in the pocket. I wasn't taking the hits. I wasn't standing up and, and speaking. I wasn't coaching. I wasn't leading them. I was just expecting things out of them and not giving them any value in return. So now I'm the complete opposite. Well, I mean, just hearing you talk about it, you know, you're talking about the spectrum of performance, right? You know, it is 2021. Everybody wants to talk about spectrums to, to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I've got patience for for the conversation, but let's talk about that, that real quick, just the, the performance spectrum. And you talk about, you know, execution being on, on one side and lack of execution on the other. And the gap between the two mm -hmm. seems like, quite frankly, the, the amount of frustration that you have. And it comes out, uh, sometimes it comes out towards, you know, other folks. And then sometimes it, it can come out towards yourself. Right. And, uh, mm -hmm. I think, you know, since we're, we're two veterans here kind of talking a little bit about, uh, you know, some challenges associated with thought process and, you know, what position you get put in whenever you make a mistake. At what point did you realize, because it sounds like there's a, a several inflection points uh, just going through your your story here, which is, which is really cool. And I appreciate you sharing mm -hmm. a lot of these screw ups and just how, uh, how you had the opportunity to mess up worse, you know, in some cases, because you could have lost all those hourly employees, just for instance, that, that one story that you shared. Yeah. But at what point did you realize, wow, I'm going through this learning curve myself, yet I'm observing other people and kind of seeing where they're at and, and helping them kind of guide them through that same process also, because it, you know, you were destined to, to lead things, you know, if you wanted to emulate your dad, right. So you're going to lead yeah. yourself and then you're going to lead other people. You're going to lead yeah. teams and then you're going to lead businesses and subsequently other institutions afterwards. So at what point did you realize, gosh, man, I, there's some people that I can develop or, or make stronger around me too. 
Well, so it boils down to, I call it the five roads to victory, right? I'll give you the first one and, and, it, and it dials directly into what you're speaking to right now. And again, talking about that self-work. And so, and, and by the way, we'll get back to it, but a lot of those hourly employees back then, they don't work for me anymore. And there's a reason, right? And, and, and so we'll get into that too, but let's talk about the self-work for a second. The first road is mindset, right? And so what happens as, as business owners is we have a limited belief mindset. You know, we, we put ourselves into a, a spectrum where we don't believe that we can find the right people. So we don't, we don't believe that there's people out there that are worth investing in. So we, we just take the cheapest, you know, least qualified resume that says I can do this thing and we stick them in a seat. Right. And so we have to change our mindset of what we believe is, is, is possible. So when, like when I work with a client, I want to see what, what are their value structures? What are their limiting beliefs? What obstacles do they need to remove from their mindset to think that something, something is possible, right? What is that next level? And really it boils down to what, and, and this is where I was back then, right? Because I think it's really relative, is do people believe that they're living in, they're two V words, right? You can either live as a victim or you can live as the victor. Right. And back then I was living in victimhood, right? I was the victim every time my, my, my sales reps weren't closing. I was the victim every time somebody was getting a paycheck and wasn't earning it, right? I was the victim every time we had a, a deal go bad and my team screwed up, right? Well, guess what? As a leader of a team, you don't get to be the victim. In fact, if, as a successful anything, a mother, a brother, a father, a cake baker, a car detailer, I don't care what you are, you don't get to be a victim. Nobody who's successful in life plays the victim card, right? We get to be the victor, right? So we focus on the outcome. We focus on the upside. We focus on the potential. We focus on what capabilities people have. Sure. And then we garner that. Think about a great coach. So maybe there's a coach, you know, teaching your, your kids to play peewee football. Yep. They're not standing over top of them all day long saying, I can't believe you didn't catch that ball. What's wrong with you? Why don't you run harder, kid, right? You're never going to get any kid to perform that way, right? What you're going to say is, come on, Timmy, stand up, brush it off. You're doing fine. Try again, right? That's how a team wants to be coached. That's how a team wants to be led, right? You're never going to get you know, your team to perform if you're constantly shitting all over them. You have to be the visionary that they want and you have to show them, by the way, guys, we're going to win. We're going to win every single day. And that's being the victor. When you're the victor's mindset, there's nothing that can deny that. And you, it starts with us, right? The, the leader absolutely has to have that through thick and thin, even on the worst day, even on that day when I had that shitty sales meeting and all my people didn't perform. What they were looking for on that day was not for me to come out in the room and say, I'm going to fire everybody. What they were looking for me is to stand up and say, guys, we had a shitty day. Let's brush it off. Here's how we do better next week. Yep. Right. And I f***ed up. I dropped the ball. Right. I was a knucklehead at that point in time. I, I couldn't agree more with, well, what's what you're talking about is resonating. And as, even as folks are listening to the podcast, there's probably four or five different things that you could you could so we could stop and go deep into. But just remember those five. What you call them? The five what? Well, I call them the five roads to victory because back okay. back in World War II, CBs had a physical five roads to victory that they carved into the world to win World War II. So that's kind of the, the tie-in. But the mindset is the number one road to victory, and it is probably the most important. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from there. So uh, those five roads to victory, how crazy is that? There was a military principle or strategy that was taught that you learned and you developed mm -hmm. that skill set mm -hmm. that you're able to apply in other areas of your life. Listen to that. Isn't that crazy? There's yep. a, we've had some guests on the podcast before. One of my favorite ones is uh, Dave Burke, 
from uh, from Echelon Front. He talks a lot about each time that that particular group goes out and coaches lessons. He talks about the same principle, the Uda Loop principle, the observe, orient, decide, act principle, right? So those, mm-hmm. and it's been bastardized by a bunch of management consultants uh, over the course of the last, you know, 60, 70 years. When you really look at how people make decisions and how do they react whenever things go wrong, uh, I'm, I'm guilty of this, right? So I, I, for some reason, like when things are going wrong or incorrectly, I have a difficult time reacting the way that I would like to in the moment, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's, it's like everything comes uh, at you and you're, you're trying to ingest all of this, this overwhelming sense of context switching all at once and to come up with the perfect reaction in the moment. To your point about uh, using the example of, of yelling at the kid or kind of default mm-hmm. upping the intensity, thinking that there's going to be a different outcome. It's bizarre seeing how it all does start with you. But then from you, <laughs> like from you, all that dysfunction continues to, uh, to spill out into other areas. And you can essentially change that dysfunction by changing where you start or where you start. Yeah. So I like that. I like how it starts with mindset. So real quick, yeah. tell people, how did they find about the other four, the other five roads? to success or yeah. That so, um, yeah, I mean, if they're really interested in that, they can go to a legacy builder.coach. Um, if, if they're, you know, uh, business owners, again, uh, real estate investors, doctors, attorneys, if they're military transitioning into want to become business owners, um, at legacy builder.coach, not only do we have a lot of free trainings, there's a free group they can join. They can download my book for free. Um, I'll also go as far as to do a 15 minute, uh, discovery call to figure out what kind of obstacles and roadblocks are in your way. And I, and I do that. There's no sales pitch to it whatsoever. I do that because what I want to do is I want to learn, um, you know, if there's a way I can help and if there's a way that we could work together and if there's not, look, I still try to create value and I'd like to, I like to meet new cool people and, you know, see what they got going on and, you know, see if there's a, a good fit there. So, um, legacybuilder.coach is the best way. But you're talking about a lot of people, a lot of people who are transitioning out of the military, mm-hmm. right? And there's a lot of people mm-hmm. who are setting themselves up for kind of their next career after they get out of the military. Now that I don't want to jump into that topic. So th- it made me think about <laughs> folks getting out of the military now and why they're getting out. So that's a different topic. That's a topic for a different day. See, that, that's the thing though. I was them. So, the, so we offer so many free resources because I want to help, even if it's like, I mean, look, I'm, I'm expensive as a one-on-one coach. I get that. But like, as a, as a, somebody who I still want those resources available for people that literally, you know, again, if you're transitioning out of the military and you want to become an entrepreneur, there's so many free resources there just to help people like that. You got to invest in yourself. You got to take the time. You got to learn. You got to listen. You got to take notes. You know, you got to listen to great podcasts like this. But when it comes time to like hiring a mentor and a coach, I'm there for you as well. Yeah. And well, I like the, uh, the idea of starting with yourself, right? Because I mean, there's really nothing else that you can control. Everything else outside of that, you, it's kind of an illusion to a certain extent to think that you can influence directly, uh, influence how folks make decisions until they start to come 100%. to you. I mean, it's like you reverse engineer the process and uh, the outcome is it starts with you first. So it starts with you Absolutely. and you can influence the outcome. So I appreciate you sharing those resources. For those of you who are listening, we've got Joe Evangelisti. Evangelisti. Am I saying that right? Evangelisti. Evangelisti. Yeah, you got it. It's kind of fun to say, like if you want to get spicy, you know? So <laughs> when it comes to a good next step, let's just say somebody's interested in, we'll just stick with real estate, right? And uh, there's obviously a bunch of different offshoots when it comes to running a business. Let's talk real quick about what, what would be the first thing that you would suggest somebody to do if they were going to, and you knew that they were going to experience 
quite a few mistakes in that process. What would be the first thing that you would tell mm-hmm. somebody to go do if they were going to go get started in real estate? Listen, in any business, I don't care what it is. The first thing you have to do is take action, right? I think the problem is action in the direction that's going to lead to income, right? I think I, one of the challenges I see most people do in startup businesses is what do they do? They, they work on their logo, they work on their website, they work on their business card, they work on their bio, they work on their resume, they work on all of the stuff that keeps them from, from production, from actually making money. Like, like if you have a product or a service, what, what you should be working on is what does the end result create value for my client, right? How does my client serve or get served from my product, right? What do they get out of what I'm selling them, right? I don't care if you're, scal- you're selling MLM skincare products or you're selling, you know, uh, real estate or you're selling, like, what is the value that you bring to the relationship, and how do you sell yourself inside or sell your product inside of that relationship? Because that's, at the end of the day, all that matters. Nobody buys the color of your business card. Nobody buys your website. Nobody goes on your website and says, oh my God, I'm buying with Steven selling because his website is so awesome, right? They're buying the relationship and the rapport and the trust and the, and the fact that they care and like you, right? I'll buy anything you're selling if I like you enough, right? It's, it, and, and because I, I value the relationship, Right. And so I think the reality of it is people are not taking action in the right direction most of the time, which is actually another part of the one of the five roads to victories. We're chasing shiny objects. We're always looking for like the push button success, the push button easy, the, the overnight millions, the how do I get rich overnight? I put a thousand dollars in and get five hundred grand. Do the work. And the work is generally the mundane difficult, write it down. Who's my avatar? Who's going to buy my product? How do I create value for them? What am I going to say when I get them on the phone? That's the work. And the reality of it is you can do it in a couple hours, but we spend weeks and weeks and weeks and months trying to figure it all out. Right. And, and so we're our own obstacle half the time. We're, we're the ones that keep ourselves from success, right? Mentors and coaches, we're just trying to eliminate that obstacle, that, that the, the gap. That's all we're trying to do. I understand. Yeah, and th- what's what's frustrating in some cases is uh, the things that you're talking about. I like the way that you said it. You can probably get it done in a couple of hours. Uh, the reality yeah. is, is at different inflection points as your business grows is you know, you're, you're probably going to need to be doing that pretty frequently, right? At least four times a year. And uh, and that's where I think you know having some structure to what you're talking about. You know, I, I like looking at what was it? I think it's the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin where he talks about how he used the principle of doing things in 13, uh, 13. I think it was, he had one thing that he was going to do for a quarter, but it was like 13 different principles. I'm, I'm probably butchering the story, but you, you get, you get the thought processes. Yeah. You can distill things down into digestible chunks. You can focus on what's not going so right. Well. And it all starts with you. So I like it. He, he was genius at simplicity, right? He was also genius at compounding interest, right? Benjamin Franklin put, I think 10 grand away in uh, 1795 and it was worth $50 million in Philadelphia or something. Yeah. I mean, there's oh so many, gosh. um, some simplistic processes. But I tell you what, the, the, the most successful clients that I have do this daily. Like you said, four times a year, they do it daily, right? It's about doing it consistently in practice and boiling it down. What are the top high gain or high income activities that I can do today to get me closer to my goals? Not every quarter, right? We call this taking decades and condensing them down into days, right? So many of us spend our entire month just circling you know, trying to figure out what the end game is, right? Spend every day getting closer to your goal. I'm with you there. I'm with you there. To be clear, there's uh, 
well, I don't have it here. It's the uh, essentially the, the <laughs> Vern Harnish or the uh, entrepreneurial operating system you're talking about. Uh, that is yeah, EOS that talks yeah. about just doing it a couple times a year with your team. We did EOS for a long time. Yep. It, it is what it is. All right. Well, Joe, I appreciate you taking some time to to chat with us today. Um, let's do this. Let's let's land the plane here. What's the best way for folks to get in touch with you or your team? If somebody was interested in listening to this podcast, a lot of the things that we just talked about over the last, you know, 20, 30 minutes stories, right? Something resonated with somebody. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah. I mean, they could find me on Facebook. They can find me on uh, Instagram, joeevangelisti.com. They can go to legacybuilder.coach. Like I said, there's a ton of free resources out there. Most of what we offer is, is free. We give it out. You know, I want people to get the education. I want people to learn the principles and I want people to be successful as a result. I like it. Well, I appreciate that. So that's your price of admission for listening to the podcast. Go <laughs> take action against what he's talking about here. So Joe, I appreciate you. For those of you who like listen, knucklehead, listen, we come at you uh, every Tuesday as, as, as much as we possibly can get these things out there. So on Tuesdays, these things, uh, they get released. Uh, my suggestion is you go to knuckleheadpodcast.com if you want to listen to more and, uh, and follow what Joe told you in terms of, uh, in terms of going and taking those next steps to get in touch with him. Joe, I appreciate you, man. And if you can spell his last name correctly, it's, it's Evangelisti. So it's just spell it just like it sounds, you know? Yep. You got it. I appreciate it, Joe. Awesome. You have a good rest of the day, guys. Thanks, brother. You too. See you.